Hey everybody, welcome back to Mr. Misfits. We're here, we're in studio. It's cold out. Yeah, and I guess as you're listening to us, Thanksgiving would have just passed. No, it's coming. Oh, you're right. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Calendars, you know, that whole thing. I forgot that we were even that close to Thanksgiving, but you've already went way past I, I just so. skipped it. Somewhere I'm, in the I'm middle. I'm looking forward to the food, not going to lie. Yeah, somewhere in the middle we'll, we'll meet. So, yeah. It is going to be Thanksgiving this week, so happy Thanksgiving. We've got, hopefully, a fun fun episode planned for next Tuesday after Thanksgiving, assuming that we actually know what calendar we're actually yeah, using. Yeah, and we get everybody's schedules together with right. traveling. and Neither guests. one of us are using a real calendar, apparently, so hopefully our guest will be. But anyway, yeah, speaking of, that Tuesday will be Giving Tuesday. So next week is Giving Tuesday, but for us, we're doing Giving Month. So, again, a reminder, that means that any Patreon support that comes in this month, any Cash App donations that come in this month, all of that money is going to Tikva rather than to Misfits. But you still get all of the fun extra things that come along with being a patron of the Misfits. So, go check all that out. It's ministry mis- or it's patreon.com backslash ministry misfits. There we go. Also... We have something fun that we actually released the day before our last episode aired, but we had already recorded, so we couldn't mention it. We have these nice, fun... For those of you that don't know what's been going on with Twitter, Elon Musk has bought it, has caused a lot of chaos. One of the things he has done is that you now have to pay to get the blue check mark, and it's $8 a month, and you get verified and all the fun stuff with that. Well, I don't think you have... If you're an actual account, you get verified, but you can also pay to play. Uh, it's all paid, is what I, I saw. There's because it shows two different ones. Uh, one will show that you're like an actual. This is Andrew Fouts, and then I could create a fake one, pay eight dollars, and say, "Oh, I'm also Andrew Fouts." But then it shows that I just paid paid well, my way. To either way, you. we can do it a lot cheaper than that. So for three dollars, one time payment of three dollars. <laughs> You can become a verified misfit and and grab yourself a verified misfit misfit sticker off of our website. So go to the go to ministrymisfits.com, go to the store and it should be the first thing that pops up is the verified misfit sticker. So go get yourself verified. It's cheaper than what Elon's charging, but it's just as worthless. That's right. And, so, and I think it's $3 should be free shipping if you're in the US. Yes, it is. And we need to talk about that also, because I forgot about that when we were discussing all this. So thank you for reminding <laughs> me. We'll talk about that at the break. Now, speaking of Twitter, speaking of all this other stuff, there are a few trending uh, conversations that have been going around, specifically coming out of our friends, the Christian nationalists, surrounding the word blasphemy. And what that all means, and this is something that even before the Christian nationalist craze, this is a discussion that comes up all the time, all the way down into little kids' Sunday school classes. But it's not really ever explained well. Mm-hmm. It's just something that likes to be thrown around. Right. We don't want people to blasphemy. And everybody knows that that's a bad thing. But nobody's really quite sure why. And nobody really is giving the right reasons biblically or theologically why either. So today, we're going to sit here and actually tell you why this is all bad. (laughs) (laughs) So to start with, though, Brandon, I don't know if you went ahead and grabbed this or not. How do what is the definition of blasphemy? Let's start with Webster, our good friend. Okay, I don't have the definition for blasphemy because I, okay. I, I know we we're taking this a little bit different direction too of using God's name in vain. Ah, well, that we're getting there. That's how the Bible defines it. Gotcha. Let's define it first. What blasphemy actually is? So Webster says it's to speak in a way that shows irreverence for God or something sacred. So it's not just blaspheming God. It's you can blaspheme anything, anything that is that's sacred. sacred. So this is part of the argument from people that are mad about the 
um, the all the professional sports protests, mm-hmm. but the anti-Semitism, not even the anti-Semitism. That's a whole nother discussion. I'm going back to just Colin Kaepernick. OK, there. so the idea of not honoring the flag is a form of blasphemy. Now, it can be argued if it is or not, but to the person saying that it is, they're saying that the flag is a sacred, sacred symbol. And so by not honoring it, you are blaspheming it. Now, all that is the just basic definition. What you started us in, though, is the biblical definition, which comes out of Exodus 20, verse 7, which says what? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Right. The word there for vain is shav, which means emptiness or vanity. And now, depending on what your denomination is, which I just found out this today, this is either the second or third commandment, because there are some denominations that number one and number two that we divide it are the same. And then number two, then at that point becomes, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Hmm. Most Protestants use it, would say this is number three, not all. It doesn't matter which one you're going to put it at. Exodus 20 verse 7 is what we are talking about today. <laughs> and now the, the important piece to this is the definition for Shav being emptiness and vanity. Why is that an important piece? I would say because it takes away the, the wholeness or the sacredness of, of that. You're stripping it away of its worth. Why? Why is emptiness mean it's a stripping away of the worth? Because you're de- you're devaluing it yourself or not putting it in the place of sacredness or righteousness that it needs to be in. Right. It's, it's literally a stripping away and taking weight off. Mm-hmm. It's becoming empty of all, all meaning and value. So... The the actual Hebrew translation for this is do not take Elohaka or your God, Yahweh's name in vain emptiness. That's a little bit different than how we normally talk about it, but it's an important thing that we're going to dissect here in a minute. But before we do that, we asked everybody on social media this morning, because I forgot to do this last night. <laughs> we asked everybody this morning. What the third or second, thank you, Reddit, our second commandment actually means. And so here are some of the the different answers we got. Keeping of vows. Okay. Treating God's name with the most respect. I think that was supposed to say utmost and it auto-corrected because I was doing this on my phone. But the utmost respect. (laughs) Avoiding empty rhetoric. So we've already got the word empty there. Shout out to our boy Antoine for going with the obvious biblical answer. Um, saying his name for our own benefit and not for his. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I did too. That came from the Capturing Christianity Facebook group. Um, thinking you can hide behind the loftiness of God's truth. Different way of looking at it. Yeah, these are some good Little, ones. Yeah, the, this this one guy in particular got very, very heavy and I was all <laughs> I was all for it. Um, using his name, but having no intentions of being accountable to his word. And then just a general misuse or misapplication of the actual name of God. All of these things would fit our biblical definition. Mm -hmm. Now, Brandon, what is the normal way that you have always heard growing up for what the third commandment actually is about or how people bring, well, we'll start with what it's about. Yeah. I would say typically growing up where it was most used was in the, you can't say God's name in vain. So basically the OMG, you're not, you're not saying God's name in a, we'll say for a cuss word or when you stub your toe, that's not what's coming out of your mouth. That's traditionally where I, in the church, saw it growing up. And even at school, it was like, that's what you're, you were on guard for was your lips. And then also seeing, all right, who else is using God's name in vain? Because that's not good. So now I need to call them out. Right. But as we'll get into, it's a lot 
deeper than just what you speak with your mouth in that particular aspect. Right. So to, to start dissecting that, we've got to actually go back and look at what this meant to Israel, ancient Israel specifically. Most people know the, the seriousness that they took with this law. Right. What is, let's see if you, you can think back through to just basic Old Testament history type stuff here. How did Israel show their respect for this rule in the way that they wrote? Oh, in the way that they wrote? Yes, specifically. Would it be the, the name that they give God, like Yahweh? Well, Yahweh is the name that God gives himself. But how did they write it? I want to say Yeshua. Well, that's Jesus. That's the name Jesus. But what they would do is they would, to keep themselves from blaspheme, from using God's name in vain, they would never actually write God's name out fully. So instead of it being in English, Y-A-H-W-E-H, if I am remembering. Y-A-H-W-E-H. Yeah, there we yep. go. Yeah. You know, instead of that, it would just be Y-H-W-H. So we take out the vowels so that way we never put God's full name on paper. And so that way we prevent ourselves from using the Lord's name in vain, even accidentally. Because the name is what is important in that context. But we also see a couple of other things that aren't necessarily always attributed to this commandment, at least in our modern times. So the first one that's a little bit more obvious is in Leviticus 24. And it, that is the one where it's literally, if you blasphemy God. You will be stoned. You will be stoned. <laughs> no ifs, and or buts, you're gone. Don't do it or this happens. But there's another one that people don't necessarily always associate. And that is Deuteronomy 18. Brandon, do you know what Deuteronomy 18 happens to be? I'm not familiar with that one because I did remember the one in Leviticus about being stoned. And we actually talked about that last night of just, we're glad that that's not the rule of thumb for everything nowadays. It's like, ah, <laughs> uh, you wrecked your car. There's a big dent in the front. All right, you're being stoned. It's the, you know, the the uh, Perks and Rec, the Venezuelan officer of, you know, no matter what you do, straight to jail. <laughs> yes. This time it's just straight to the stoning block. Yes. So no, bringing us back to Deuteronomy 18 and do not, Recall. So Deuteronomy 18 is divided up into a couple of different things. There's a lot of different holiness aspects here. So the first part of Deuteronomy 18 is how we're going to care for the Levites and the priests. That is not anything that we're talking about. The second part of it starts to slowly get into it where it starts to talk about occult practices. So these are actual witches, warlocks. People practicing the occult dark arts. This is what we do to them. But then the next step is God tells the people what will happen if this kind of person arises within Israel. What do you think God will do if this sort of person arises within the nation? He will bring up a army. No, that's a little more, <laughs> a little more aggressive. A prophet. God raises up another prophet. This is why the judges exist. The people started going towards Asherah and Baal and the gods of the Canaanites and the gods of the occult. And so God brought up judges to get them back where they're supposed to be. And in some cases, yes, it was with an army. <laughs> in some cases, it was just with a good swordsman. In some cases, it was with a tent peg and a hammer. God brought up prophets to declare the what, what do the prophets declare this is the word of the lord right mm -hmm. but what happens if somebody declares the word of the lord that is not the word of the lord we call them a blasphemist well they're a blasphemist <laughs> we have a new word blasphemist no a false prophet is what we call them. <laughs> I like blasphemous. I do kind of like blasphemous better. So hashtag blasphemous. This is not something that is so out of the ordinary strange as we normally think it is. This isn't just a Christian concept. But to understand 
why it matters, we need to actually dive into a more theological understanding behind this and not just a basic Sunday school type understanding. So we're going to actually start breaking all of this down <laughs> a little bit more and start getting into the theology side of the, these sort of things right after this break. We'll be right back. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. Welcome back, everyone. Andrew and I here are here today talking about blasphemy yes. and also God's putting God, using God's name in vain, which is blasphemy. So <laughs> yes. we are trying same, and we same are, accord. We are going to do everything I can we can to not be blasphemists, also because that is the new new name that we are putting on this. So before we broke probably literally broke the way our minds are working at the moment. Sorry about all that. But before we took our break, we went ahead and we actually sat we settled everything down. We looked at what everybody else is saying blasphemy is. And we got some very good answers. We did. We looked at what Webster says, and then we went ahead and just looked straight out of scripture at Exodus 27 or Exodus 20 verse 7 mm -hmm. and looked at what God actually says is forbidden, which is using God's name in vain emptiness. But the name itself is where we have to start actually breaking things down theologically to understand what we're talking about. So, Brandon, what is God's name? If it's going in the direction I think you want me to go, I'm going to take it back to is it Exodus 3, where God is initially talking to Moses from the burning bush. And we get the first I am statement, I am who I am. Which translates to Yahweh, Yahweh right? Yes. That's the basic understanding of it, because the, the name Yahweh comes from another Hebrew word that just means to be. I am who I am. I did not. I have not. I existed in the past. I exist in the future. I exist now. There's no past tense. It's always present. Alpha and Omega. Right. Now, that is the name that God has given himself. But is that the only name of God? No. No. How many different names are there for God in the Bible? I'm not going to answer the the question but i'll give you a, i'll give you a couple i'll give you a couple that's probably okay because i didn't actually sit there and count because there are a lot of different names for god <laughs> so yeah give me the ones you've got and then we'll see if there's any you missed on my list the ones i'm gonna go for are from isaiah okay nine that was with, not where i was going but those will work yeah so i'm gonna do an early uh misfit early christmas misfit. here very with, misfitting yes. yes to us a child is born to us a son is given his name shall be called Wonderful Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And all of those are names of God, specifically which part of the Godhead? The Father. And? Son. And? Holy Spirit. Right? We, we talked about this when we did the Trinity, right? Mm. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. The counselor is the spirit. That's who Jesus, Jesus says that specifically. I will send the counselor when the counselor will come when I go up. 
I am sending the counselor to you. That's the spirit. Almighty God is the name of the Father. The Prince of Peace is Jesus. He he we know this all to be reality that all of these names relate to God as a whole, not just the Son. But there are a couple of other names just within the Old Testament that we need to look we need to understand. So the most common name for God in the Old Testament is Elohim, which is the actual idea of this is God. What we translate to be capital G O D is Elohim. There's also Jehovah, which Jehovah means, you know, it's a play off of Yahweh. Okay, as you say, it'd be closer to Jesus, but no? Lord. Lord, okay. So, and Jehovah is used a lot of times almost as an adjective, right? There's Jehovah Shalom, there's Jehovah Jireh, you know, Mm. the Lord is peace, the Lord is my shepherd, all those sort of things. Not shepherd. Where did I get shepherd? The Lord, you know, all those different names, the Jehovah's are the Lord is my. Then you have El, which comes from Elohim, but it's just a shortened version for God. You have Elohim Liel, which is actually the name that that Abram knew God by. In Genesis 14, so Genesis 12, Abram gets called out by this random voice to go out to the land that he's never been to and become a great nation, right? That We know that story. That's Abram gets his call. Then Genesis 15, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is where God commissions him and tells him what's about to happen, and he does the covenant with himself. And then Genesis 17 is when the covenant of circumcision is done. So what happens between Genesis 12 and 15, we don't normally talk about all that much because those aren't the big story pieces. But what happens in those two chapters is that Abram raises up an army and routs five of the kings of Canaan. And then the king of what becomes Jerusalem, Melchizedek, comes out and meets Abram and he is listed as being the high priest of Elohim Liel, or the almighty God most high. Mm. And Abram asks Melchizedek to bless him and that Abram would give a 10% a tithe offering back to God, not to Melchizedek, but to God, but Melchizedek would take it. And it is there that Abram learns the name of the God that called him to begin with. So Abram, this is the thing that the reason I bring this up is that Abram's faith is much bigger than we give him credit for. Because he didn't even know the name of the guy that was calling him (laughs) until three chapters or two or three chapters later. But that is the a a name for God that we have as well. Elohim is the name that we get in Genesis one, that name that creates everything. El is used throughout. Jehovah is used throughout. Elohim Liel is the name that God went by for a long, long time before he names himself Yahweh. And then the other one, Brandon, is the one that is a little bit interesting when we start to talk about all these blasphemy laws, is that the name for God in Daniel, after chapter 2, when it becomes Aramaic, do you know what that might be? I do not. Allah. Mm. Which sounds a lot like... Allah. Allah. Because it is the same word. The Aramaic and the Arabic are not that far off from each other. And both of them are the name given to the Most High God of Abraham. Because both the Arab nations and the Jewish nations all trace their ancestry back to Abram and all believe that they are the children of the promise. Are they spelled the same? A-L-L-A-H? And, and, well, I mean, they're spelled not with with English letters, so well, they're not true. <laughs> well, normally we translate within the Aramaic it to be E L L A because it's still L mm. God. Yep. But the pronunciation of it is the same or pretty close to being the same. And this is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. We know God has named himself Yahweh. That is God's name. The Trinity is Yahweh. That is a just That's what it is. 
but we have all these other names that fall into place. And so the first question we have is, is blasphemy only against the name of Yahweh? Or is it more about the God that we are talking about? So you're saying overall lowercase g that we're talking about? Well, in our case, we're talking uppercase G. Yes, that's why I was, that's that's what what I was clarifying. Who, who is it about who we are talking about, or is it about the name itself? That's the question that we're asking. Because if it's about the name itself, then is it just Yahweh, or does that include Jehovah? Does that include Elohim? Does that include El- Does that even include Allah? Or is it about Yahweh, the God, Yahweh? That is who we are talking about, that that name is what we have to keep holy and not blaspheme. Which is it? So is it the name itself or is it the person, the God that we are talking about? Because God is not a person. That's why I keep saying it that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I want to say both because there's. Yes, I got a ding. Because it, in a way, it is God in that respect in his name. But then there's also the attributes of that flow out from God and who he is. Well, even in the way that this question was so confusing is part of why we know it's both. <laughs> why do we just call God God and not just call him Yahweh all the time? Because we are trying to not take his name in vain. Mm-hmm. Because the name itself is holy. God has declared himself this. But God, the Yahweh, the being, is also holy. And so we, when we refer to him by other names that are not his own name to describe him or to call out to him, then those names are holy now as well because the person itself is holy too. And this is why we always get very confused and it gets very awkward when we start talking about blasphemy with children, because they're not going to understand this concept because we as adults barely can comprehend this concept. (laughs) This is the idea, you know, this is what it's entitled, the mystery of godliness is great. No one can fully comprehend any of this stuff. The best we can do is go through our three tiers of theology and philosophy and method to determine how we do this. So when we start to go through all of this, this is why it becomes, but we, or sorry, we, we have to establish this because of the fact that, like we just talked about right here, English is just one language of many. Mm-hmm. So does this mean that to pray to Allah, the Muslim God, Allah, if a Christian prays to Allah, are they committing blasphemy? Not in an Islamic sense, in a Christian sense. Mm -hmm. Are they committing blasphemy if they pray to Allah? I would say yes. What if you're an Arabic speaker and the name of God is Allah, like we see in Daniel chapter 2 through 5? With the EL? This is where it gets confusing, right? <laughs> yes. And this is why it's important to understand the true meaning behind what the commandment is actually talking about. Our Arabic brothers and sisters that are Christians, that speak Arabic. So the Palestinian church, the the oldest church in church history is on is in Palestine, an Islamic state. They pray to Allah because that is the Arabic name for God. Mm -hmm. They are not praying to the Islamic God. They're praying to the Christian God by the name that God is, which is God. Was your question, though, if they pray to Allah? And and that is why... (laughs) This whole thing has to be dissected into what this actually looks like. Allah, the Islamic God, is a 
different concept than the Christian God because the Christian God is a trinity. Yes, that's why I was like, I think it would be blasphemy. Right. Allah, in the Islamic sense, they're praying to the same God that Abram was praying to, but they have completely left out the Son, and they have left out the Spirit, and that is blasphemy. Yeah, as we talked about in the Trinity. Right. That's blasphemy. Yeah. You know, to pray to Yahweh in the Jewish sense and not recognize the divinity and saving power of the Son as the Messiah is a blasphemous act because you are not praying to Yahweh at that point, even if you're using his name. So what this actually looks like, I divide this up into two different things. The first thing is empty prayers would be what we're talking about with blasphemy. So this is where we fall into what we normally associate with blasphemy as far as just the general terms. Wow, I've had Isaiah 9 up there this whole time. The general terms of just OMG or any of the other different things where it's used almost as an expletive Mm -hmm. rather than an actual calling out to God. The prayers are empty because it has no meaning. It's just a saying his name to say his name. That is a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, there's no, I guess where I was going with it is with Matthew 6, with the Lord's Prayer. Right. Of We kind of clearly see an example of how we should pray. And one of the first things we see is putting God's name in that place of power. And the whole prayer is... Our Father who art in heaven. heaven. So our Father would be a name for God. Mm -hmm. And we're specifying specifically it's God in heaven. Yeah, in our placement within that. And then it is what? (laughs) Hallowed be thy name, your name. Your name is holy, Mm -hmm. right? That's, That's how it actually should be laid out within English is your name is holy, God in heaven. And the entire rest of the prayer is reliant on the fact that God's name is holy. Because God's name is holy, we ask him for forgiveness. Because God's name is holy, we ask him to sustain us like he promised he would. Because his name is holy, we ask for his kingdom and his will to be done and not my own. It's all centered around the worship of our Father in heaven, whose name is holy. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about why it's a bad thing when we have people blasphemy, even when it's these unintentional, what we would consider small things. That is the reason why it is a problem is because it is an empty prayer. God's name no longer has the meaning that we see in Matthew chapter six. Yeah. For a lot of us, we go immediately to the genie side of, right. You go into prayer and it's God, I need this, 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 not that he doesn't listen, but we clearly see, which we'll talk about later of God being jealous in that Mm -hmm. there's the clear, um, as we see in Proverbs, uh, the first thing of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Right. And so that's truly in part of in the root of our prayer is that placement with God of, all right, God, you are in heaven. I am here. I can't figure this out. Yes. I praise you. This is still my wants and needs that I have before you, but let it be your will, not my own. Instead of here's my laundry list, um, get it done. <laughs> get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that is what that side of blasphemy actually is and looks like. The other side of it would be empty prophecy, and this is the side that doesn't get talked about a lot. Now, when we say prophecy, Brandon, what do you think we actually are meaning? Are we just talking about Deuteronomy 18 and the way that they're talking about it as far as just the guy standing up saying, thus says the Lord? No, it'd be um, putting weight into stuff in the future, basically calling out that this is going to happen because, but with God's name or weight attached well, not to Not necessarily it. just in the future. And that's the key piece to all of this is that it is putting God's name and attaching it to different things, but it's not necessarily things that are going to happen in the future. It can't even be things that happened in the past or that are happening in the present because we know God's name, Yahweh, means that he is ever present. 
So this is something that has been happening for a long, long, long time. And so what this looks like is things like the idea of when COVID hits, people saying, God won't let Christians get sick. Or the whole, we blow the wind of the spirit on you, COVID, and then start spitting on all of our congregants to get that pushed out of the room. Or the idea that Donald Trump is going to be president, thus says the Lord. That Herschel Walker is going to be senator, thus says the Lord. Yeah, we don't have that authority. We don't have any of that authority. <laughs> the authority that God gives us, you know, Jesus says all authority has been given to him. And he then transfers it unto us. But that authority, what did we see in Matthew 6? The authority is coming from our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, mm -hmm. who is God and whose name is holy. And we are always, because his name is holy, it's all about his will to be done in his kingdom first. Not my own. Not my own. And so blasphemy can be just using God's name flippantly. But the much more common that we actually see is this use of God's name as an endorser. So why this actually matters is because, and why it matters to God is what we need to actually spend the rest of the time going through. So why it matters, Brandon, what do you think is the first, first reason that this matters? It's what provides righteousness and truth. Okay. Would be one. Um, <laughs> because as you talked about, if it, we're creating our own guidelines in what is truth, in air quotes, based upon what we want to throw God's tag onto to make it, yeah, make it seem Has like it. Yeah, hashtag God. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, God did this, so it, it's that. I well, mean, we, go, we, go one step further. Beyond just the things that we are saying God is ordaining here. This is how people are recognizing who God is within our society as well. And this is why it's right at the beginning of the list with the, the Ten Commandments. So I'm not going to make you go through the Ten Commandments, Brandon. Don't worry. I've got my but tablets ready. How do Your tablet. How do we... Um, um, how do we actually break up the Ten Commandments? Because they're actually broken up into two sections specifically. Do you know what these two sections are? Would they be basically your yourself and God and then yourself and others? That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I'll take that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, we'll give you the bell. <laughs> Commandments one through four deal specifically with who God is. Number one is you will have no other gods. Number two is you're not even going to have idols. Number three is my name is holy, so don't mess with it. That's the new translation we're going to use for that one. <laughs> new Andrew and then, translation. And then number four is honor the day that I have set out. It's all about him, those first four. And then, like you said, 5 through 10 deal much more with how we interact with the world around us. But it's all related, again, to yeah, God still being number to one, yeah. no idols, don't use God's name in vain, and honor the and honor things that he says are should be honored. That That's how 5 through 10 fit in. How the world sees God is attached to what his name is attached to. That's why these things matter to God. Like you said, God says very clearly, I am a jealous God. God's, I mean, God, God spends how many chapters in Job just reminding Job, this is who God actually is. His honor and his glory are all that matters to him because that is all that should matter because he's holy. And his name is holy because he's holy. Mm -hmm. That's why this matters. The world now sees God through us based off of what we are putting out there. So what is it that we are supposed to actually show people about who God is related to all of this stuff? 
part of it would be what we see from Jesus, because as we talked about many times now, it's all connected through the Trinity. Right. So the reflection of Jesus on earth, of how he loved other people, um, loved God in just different ways with his relationship there, by us acting in those ways of fruits of the Spirit, uh, different commandments, that's one way that people can see the reflection of God through us, partially through Jesus. And it goes a step further when we actually look into, when we talk a theological look at blasphemy compared to the the dictionary. And one other thing on that too, it's also who we give the credit to. Exactly. Because if we are saying that we are Christians, we are putting God's holy name on us, right? Mm -hmm. Christ, yeah, we're giving... Christ is the name we're taking on. Yeah. So our actions, the way we treat each other, all these sort of things in reality are wrapped up in this commandment. And that is the way that we never actually think about it. No, I think if you surveyed most people, if we did... It's all about words, right? Yes. If we just did it that... We should maybe put that up before the, this goes live. Put up a poll of... Is it all about words or is it all about action? Or have you used God's name in vain? Right. Right. And that most people, like we said, would go back to the OMG side, the words and stick with it there, which that is a portion. I think the way we actually would word it, if we haven't already done it, is this idea of have you done it today? Because everybody's going to say, yes, obviously I've done it accidentally Hopefully. here or there. <laughs> that, that's going to happen. But have you done it today? And the reality is that everybody's answer is going to be yes. Because of the fact that we all do these stupid things and none of us even keep commandment number one accurate or 100% every day. And if we can't even put God in his place, there's no way we're keeping his name in the right place either. You give people too much credit that they're going to say yes. That's why I think most should most... say yes, because if <laughs> yeah. you don't, then you've just blasphemed right there. <laughs> You know, and this is this is why it matters because God takes His honor seriously. We've said that, mm -hmm. but the other side of it, even within the way that we talk about our faith, and now this is not to say that if you have doubt or that if you're depressed or anything like that, it's a problem. What we're saying though is the way that we talk about even our faith and the the promises of God fit into this whole picture as well because God takes His promises very seriously. That's why prophets are executed if they say this is what God has promised you and then it does not come to pass because God takes his promises seriously. And so if you are going to say that God has not kept his promise to you, then you are saying that God's word is not valid. Mm -hmm. And even God's vocal words are important. That's how he creates the world. He speaks things into existence. And so even then, our words should be that important. That's why even just saying the name emptily is a problem. Yeah, and that's why we clearly see, let your yeses be yes and your noes right. be noes. And there's no this promising or creating, um, I don't want to say vows, but just creating these empty promises. Right. You don't need to take an oath. Yeah. Because if you are a Christian and you are claiming you are a representative of Christ, your word should be your bond. Because to not honor it is to not honor the name that you have taken on. Yeah. And we also see in Matthew 15, uh, this people honors me with their lips, but their mm -hmm. heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So very clearly, of you can honor me with your lips, but if your heart is from me, it's in vain. It's the blasphemy. And this is what we see today. And this is part of why this conversation has come back up, because the within Christian nationalism, especially the call is that if Christian nationalism takes power, blasphemy laws are going to be put in place. But what's the ironic thing with that, Brandon? It's blasphemy to begin with. <laughs> it's blasphemy to begin with, because God has never once put out a commandment saying you are to make your nation a Christian kingdom. He said to go and make make disciples of the nations, not to make the nations disciples. That is the key to understanding a lot of these different things is that we will say, oh, we're honoring 
we're honoring what God is telling us to do. God has set us apart going back a couple of weeks. And so because of that, we need to set ourselves apart to keep his name holy. But in reality, what we just read, Matthew 15, their hearts are far from him mm -hmm. because that is not the heart of God. You are taking God's name, attaching it to your own pride rather than the pride of God. Mm -hmm. And we see this very clearly again in Deuteronomy 18. He says, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet for like me from among you. The like me would be Moses. Like me from among you, your own brothers, you must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see his great fire any longer so that we will not die. Going back context, they're in. They're about to go into the land. They no longer just want the pillar of smoke and the fire. They want to actually hear from God directly and not just have to follow the big flame around and so he said, then the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I'll put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. And this is the key. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. So this is another part of blasphemy is those that do not take the words of the Lord seriously. Hmm. And then he goes one step further the prophet who dares to speak a message in my, ma my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods as well, that prophet must die. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize the message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. Don't even fear him. Because the name of God is what carries weight because it carries all of his authority. And so when we say that God has said this, we better be sure that God has actually said this. Mm -hmm. This is part of the, the fun thing with in, you know, especially online Christendom is when people will always say, well, God has already said that this is a problem. So we just say it's a problem. Well, how, do you actually know that that's what God said, or is that what you have heard? We need to be careful about this. Because God takes his name very seriously. Because it is what spoke the world. His, his words are what spoke the world into existence. All authority belongs to him. His name is what is holy. And when we do not use it correctly... There are dire consequences for even the people that hear it, not just the people that speak it. So I, I like the, the one verse that you brought up about basically, how do we know this is from God? Right. How do, the people already were like, uh, this is, sounds very seriously. How do we not mess up? Yeah. So in a lot of times with our own lives in prayer, where we're looking for direction or looking for clarity or looking for an answer or that, all right, God, show me this sign. What do you recommend then for somebody that's wrestling with that in prayer um, to maybe when they're coming out of, let's say they're coming out of a decision of what they're supposed to work or what, what they're supposed to do. And they say, God's calling me toward, I feel like God is calling me towards this. Does that fall under the blasphemy side? Well, that's what we need to look at, right? So the more New Testament church side of this, we have a very similar thing happening in 2 Timothy related to all of these different things. Now, the first thing we got to say with all of this is that the, the side of it related to just using the name of God in vain or emptiness, you know, the OMGs and everything like that. If you want to find a New Testament reason why we're saying that that is a problem, James chapter 3 is all you need to do and go and look. Because James chapter 3 talks about the power of the tongue. That, oh, you know, our words carry weight. And even again, the fact that God created the world through speech. And so, again, speech is important. And so we don't give empty promises and empty words. And especially, we don't attach God's name to any of it. 
But now the bigger thing that we see, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4. Now, chapter 3 is where Paul lays out what Scripture is. All Scripture is what, Brandon? God breathed. God breathed and is useful for? Teaching, rebuking, correcting. And? I always forget the fourth one. Training in righteousness. (laughs) Right? All Scripture is God breathed and it's useful for? Teaching, correction, rebuke, training, and righteousness. And now Paul then goes in to chapter 4. And he says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus. So now Paul right there. I solemnly charge you before Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus and God. This needs to be taken very seriously. Because now Paul is invoking the name of God in the name of Jesus and what he is about to put down. This right here is part of where the idea of let your yes be yes, your no be no comes in. This is why some denomination, and again, we're not saying that this is actually blasphemy because I wouldn't necessarily classify this as blasphemy. This is giving unto Caesar type of thing. This is why you have some people that will not even do place your hand on the Bible to take the oath. Mm. Because we should let our yes be yes, our no be no. Now, that's a different type of thing that maybe we'll discuss another time. Yeah, that could be but this is where that kind of thinking plays in. Yeah. But what Paul is telling Timothy here is I'm charging you before God and before Jesus. So that means that Jesus and God are, Paul is saying, Jesus and God are telling you this as well. This is coming straight from the throne. And it's coming through my, my mouth. Proclaim this message. Teach. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myth. But as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So Paul has just said scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correction, training in righteousness. And then he goes and tells Timothy to go out and teach, rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to say it twice so you don't forget. Using <laughs> the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. Because all scripture is God breathe. It carries the name of God with it. And if you do that, you will be able to endure hardship, do the work, and fulfill your ministry. So when the question comes up of, okay, is God actually telling me to do this or not? Paul is saying right here, and he's saying that God is the one that is actually telling us this. We have the scriptures at our disposal to use. We can see who God is. Because of his name and because of his promises, we know that he will fulfill them. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, we can determine who it is that is actually speaking to us. Because if it comes to pass, God has spoken it. If it does not come to pass, this is a false prophecy. That's Deuteronomy 18. We have the tools at our disposal. It's just a matter of how do we actually use them. So let's take an example of you feel like you're supposed to work at Costco. We'll see. Right. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I pray to God. I feel like he's calling me to work here. How do you then suggest that that, because most people would say, I feel like God's calling me here. That's what we like to hear. What, how do you suggest then, then that we phrase that or word well, this it? This <laughs> is my question back is what do you mean by called? Is it just that you feel like this is a good opportunity or do you actually feel like this is the mission field that God has laid in front of me? Because those are two completely different things. Correct. Because the, we mission, all have... the mission field in front of me is a holy discontent thing, right? Mm-hmm. The This is a good opportunity. Should I take it? Well, now we got to look at other things because this that's a different conversation than just, oh, God's telling me to work at Costco. You know, it's the same same sort of thing as, Oh, thank God. He look at how God provided for me. There's a open spot right in front of the door. <laughs> you know, it may be in some cases that that is a provision of God. Mm-hmm. 
But to assume that it always is, is emptying out the weight of who God actually is. Assuming that me deciding whether I work at this Costco or if I go to work at Walmart and I'm saying, oh, God's calling me to the place that's paying $2 more. Is it really that God's calling you there or that God is providing with an opportunity to go there? So it should really be more of the praise side of pra- it's, it's praise our heart, right? Yeah. Praise God intentions. for opening this door, having right. this parking space, because then you're acknowledged. Yeah, it goes back to what you you pulled out in Matthew six. Our Father who art in heaven, your name is holy, and now you have just given me my daily bread. Yeah. That is a different type of thing than somebody that's saying, "I don't know if I feel called to go into ministry or not." Because when you are called into ministry, all Christians are carrying the name of Christ with them. Mm -hmm. But if you are being called into a ministry, you're carrying even more than just the name now. You're now a shepherd. You're now an overseer. You now have responsibility because what happens in Deuteronomy 18 when you deliver a message in the name of either you deliver a message that is not from God or you deliver a message that is from a completely different God. Put to death. You're put to death because of how serious this actually is. Now we're not saying we go out and kill the false prophets, but we are saying that we kill their ministries. Whatever way that looks like. Yeah. Or again, the correcting and rebuking through correction and rebuke is normally the way to do it. That's the good way to do it. (laughs) Yes. But most of us don't like, right. The easier way is to just call them out and start a big hubbub on Facebook. That's the easier, <laughs> or to try to take away their funding. Those are the the ways that we like to go about it. But what is it? You know, this is the other part of what Paul talks about. The time is coming when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but instead will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. The itch to hear something new is what we have been talking about when we talk about using God's name in vain. The sound doctrine is what Paul talked about in chapter 3. We have his word right here, and it's God-breathed. It carries the weight and authority of our Father in heaven, hallowed be his name. Mm -hmm. When we turn away from it in order to get something that we think might sound better, we have completely devalued God's name because we are putting value on something else. Yeah. And what comes to mind for me is like with the antichrist of that, we hear it being called of like a harlot. Right. We think about that and it's something that's enticing, looks good, maybe sounds good. And that's what we want a lot of times from God's word or just anything. I mean, that's what, that's the whole thing of the first four chapters of Hosea is that God tells Hosea to go out and marry a promiscuous woman, have promiscuous children, because he's about to teach both Hosea and the children of Israel something important. And that's that the children of Israel are constantly going to run off and prostitute themselves to other gods. But yet, God, because his name is holy, and because his promises will be fulfilled, is going to bring us back. Yeah. As we talked about in our small group the other week with um, the Israelites and the manna of right. how <laughs> if, you, if you're eating the, oh, the, the sa- manna, yeah, if you're yes. eating the, the bread, the mushy bread, whatever you want to say with the, from the dew every day, if you're, even though God's sustaining you and you're getting the same thing, us as humans, we're like, yeah, but what's next? Like, I right. want something new. What's the new flavor of the day? Like, and especially is, in today's culture, we're always looking for that next new hit, um, something to stimulate us, to keep us occupied. So we're very attracted to new things. To new things, yes. And this is why commandment three is attached to commandment one. Because that desire to find something new is putting ourselves as God. Mm-hmm. And the irony that we don't always think of it this way is that to put ourselves at number one as God, we have to find number two idols to fill it. But it's about us. Yeah. It's not about the idols. It's about us. Yeah. But the reality is 
we already know that we will get what we need. We will be able to forgive as we've been forgiven. We will be able to go about our days and doing the will of the Father because our Father who art in heaven, his name is holy. And because his name is holy, it is held at a higher honor and a more respect. And so the promises that are made in his name will be fulfilled. And that includes redeeming us. That's why this is so important is that when we take value away from the name of God, we take value away even from the idea that we can be saved. Because that was a promise that was laid out in Genesis 3. And it was fulfilled because it was made by our Father in heaven whose name is holy. So when we talk blasphemy, it is more complicated than we ever give it credit. Yes, like I said, I think we... Somebody online said this word, and I really liked it. The the OMGs, or the, the word talk, for lack of better terms, they're like, that's kindergarten-level right. Christianity, if we want to boil, like, kindergarten-level blasphemy. Yes, and we're not, not saying that that's not blasphemy. Correct, but it just, a lot of us don't sit down to go deeper. Into what it actually means. Yeah, and the full tie to the third commandment here. Right. You know, that's what, you know, the, the baseline and the, and you know, that, that's the thing that I always have just kind of rolled my eyes at also is this idea of the word God is what they deem to be the name of God. But that word God is literally just a made up word to describe our father in heaven, hallowed be his name. That English word is not what carries the power. What carries the power is the person of Yahweh who named himself as being ever present. Mm -hmm. And when we actually recognize that side of what it means to keep God's name holy, then the seriousness of the other side of blasphemy in our actions, both in the actions that we want to see happen within the state or towards our churches or towards all these other things, or even just how we interact with other people, it, it, it carries a whole new weight. This is the idea of loving God and then loving people, is that when we love God and we put him first and keep his name holy, doing that means that we love other people, including our enemies. Mm -hmm. So let us know what you think. This was a little bit heavier probably than people expected when they're like, oh, they're just talking about blasphemy today. <laughs> we know this stuff. It's heavy, but it's also not. It's it's stuff that I think we all know. It's just that we don't always hear or understand or want to understand is probably the better idea. Yeah, as with most things in the Bible, we overcomplicate it. Um, and we, when, yeah, when we truly take it back to its roots and what God has commanded us, we're like, we overcomplicating okay, by undercomplicating. Like, it's easy, <laughs> but then our application to it is still challenging right. in us with sin, as we talked about. If we did a poll, hopefully all of us should say, yes, we failed at this. I'll put daily. the poll up. I'll put the poll up after <laughs> we're done. So, yeah, you've already seen the poll at this point, but, you know, we're we're not prophesying. <laughs> this is just saying that that's what's happening. So. Fill out the poll. The places that you filled out the poll is also where you can let us know what you think. So the easiest places to go, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We and, got your new, and your new favorite yes, location. Yes, we are on Mastodon now as well. So if you don't know what that is, that's probably because you're not on Twitter already. But Mastodon is another social media platform. The links are going to be in the show notes. They're going to eventually make it onto the other places as well. Um, where you can follow us there and interact with us there. It's a little bit easier to interact with than the other social media platforms after you figure out actually how to log in. That's actually the hardest part. So, <laughs> um, but let us know what you think about all of this stuff, how, how we did, how we didn't do all of those good things. Um, in the meantime, also Patreon, Patreon, we are in the month of giving. So go to patreon.com backslash ministry misfits. And the money that you or that comes in in the month of November, which is coming to a close mm -hmm. much faster. Well, faster than I realized a little bit later than you were thinking it was. But if, well, yeah, I do feel like it's flying by. But clearly, yes. I still didn't know when Thanksgiving yes. was. 
So next week is Thanksgiving. Or no, this week is Thanksgiving. Next week is Giving Tuesday, but we're doing Giving Month again. So yeah, Tikva is where this money will be going. So let us uh, go to patreon.com backslash Mr. Misfits. Obviously, we need the help. So if you go <laughs> go and join up there, you will not only get the benefits of being a Misfits patron, but you will also be supporting the work that Tikva is doing with our inner city kids here in Canton. The store is still up where you can also do some Tikva donating through the Tikva tees and yep. here come the Misfits stuff. Um, you can also find our new stickers that we we made. Um, yeah, make yourself verified. Yes, verify for yourself as a misfit as as a misfit for three dollars, which is cheaper but just as worthless as Twitter verification. <laughs> I love that tagline. I know. I, I yeah. Anyway, go go check out all that stuff. Next week we hopefully have a very fun episode coming with a returning guest that everybody loves, and we'll surprise you all with it then. So in the meantime, we will see you all next week. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits. 